Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. How about we start off today just thanking for Jesus for all he's done. And I, I love seeing that over last weekend, over 600 of you last Sunday came out uh, to cheer on those who were taking that next step of faith in baptism and and 45 folks took that next step of faith. It was uh, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, a beautiful sight to see. I love our baptisms out there. Just what God is doing in the, li- the hearts and lives of people. Joy to, to baptize my, my daughter. Uh, what, a, what a joy that was last week. Just a great event. We got out there. I'll tell you just something funny. Uh, Aaron and I got out there early with the kids. We kind of let them go out there and and canoe a little bit around there while the river's not rushing towards Calhoun's and Knoxville. And, uh, and so we get out there, and this is our baptism site. Apparently, a flock of geese decided this was the new Bucky's, right? And they went out there, and they did their thing out on our baptism site. So for an hour, and me and Joe and Henry, a couple folks, and we had to, we had to scoop those geese and what they left behind all the way out of our baptismal area. And I love my wife. She's so full of wisdom. Uh, you, know, you know the phrase, don't let it rain on your parade? She came up and said, this is that old enemy just trying to poop on our parade. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's really good, you know. And, and I thought of this. Man, I, I don't know what has rained on your parade this week. I don't know what the enemy seeks to uh, poop on your parade this week. But you know what she said? Not today, Satan. I mean, we're, we're going to go through what we're going to do. And so I, I don't know where you come from today. And be ready to hear from God. Be, be ready for God to move in your heart and in your life today. And, and man, we're not giving the enemy one inch of ground in any heart, in any life today. We're grateful that you are here today in Scripture. Uh, we're on our way with Jesus today in John chapter 11 to attend the great side service of a man by the name of Lazarus. An all too familiar scene, isn't it? Most of us in this room have stood graveside at a service of somebody we love who's no longer with us. Uh, We've had that, that phone call, that bad news that would lead to a graveside service, but you've got to understand Mary and Martha have received that news here in John chapter 11, and so too has Jesus. And you know what? The truth is, is that, man, we're going to continue to visit and to stand at great side services until Jesus comes again and finally he does away by his grace with death itself. itself. And so for Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, what we're going to find is this is one of the hardest days of their lives here in, in John chapter 11. You see, they cared for and they prayed for and they tried to nurse their brother back to health but couldn't. Lazarus' sickness has seen that it is ended in death. Their hearts are broken. Things will never be the same. And so today we answer the question, and what do we do when we hear the news, when we get the call that someone we love has died. Some of the toughest news that we can get. Well, let's see this passage unfold. In your Bibles, in John chapter 11, the Bible says this, now there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. He was from Bethany, 
the village of Mary and his sister Martha. And now we get a little bit of a parenthetical note here by John. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet, the Bible says, with her hair. Hey, I want you to consider this. Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha, they loved Jesus and Jesus loved them. In fact, they entertained and hosted him in their home. Their home, in a sense, was this oasis for Jesus, where he could go in Bethany, just two miles outside of Jerusalem. His oasis in the south, where he could go, he could be loved on by friends, he could have conversations. Man, I'm certain they played games together, and Jesus could just rest. Lazarus, his sisters, they were followers of Jesus. But now Lazarus is sick. Man, boy, do they need him. They need Jesus now. Now, as we look at this parenthetical note, I just wanted to say this before we go too far. Um, I didn't know y'all, if y'all knew we had a toy duck convention in town this week. And, and so, thank you, Cody. Cody has a Jeep, and he has a lot of these, and I asked to borrow some. And so from here on out, if you like the sermon... I want a rubber ducky, okay? We're just going to put them up here. But thankful for all the Jeepers even here today. As we go and we look at this second part, uh, verse 2 of John chapter 11, this parenthetical note that John gives us. What he's doing is he's describing what one of these sisters, what she had done with Jesus. Now, this doesn't happen until John chapter 12, and yet we're going to see that John's audience is very aware of this sister and very aware of what she has done. And so, too, is the crowd that he is reaching. And we're going we're gonna to uncover this a little bit later on in our sermon series. And what an incredible moment this was, what God had done in her life. But we find this in verse 3 through 4, what happens. So the sisters, and they sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. I love that phrasing, the one you love. Because love is a major theme of this chapter. Uh, this is the first of three times that the word love is used. And it's on purpose because it is the ma major motivator in these verses. And that is the very love of Jesus. Which, by the way, never goes questioned by Mary or Martha. His love for them in the midst of tragedy never goes questioned by them. Mary and Martha don't have to be convinced of Jesus' love for them or their brother. They knew it. And so surprisingly enough, nowhere in this correspondence, this message to Jesus, do they ask Jesus to come to them, nor do they ask Jesus to heal Lazarus. But they sent word, and here's my opinion, you ready? Not just to make Jesus aware of Lazarus's condition, his situation. Because by the way, Jesus already knew Lazarus was sick before they sent the letter. He is God in the flesh. He is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. I believe they sent word because they wanted Jesus to do something. And doesn't tragedy, doesn't sickness, and doesn't that lead to some desperation? And they want him to do something because this, you ready? They knew he could. They knew he could. But we studied earlier in the Gospel of John chapter 4 how Jesus healed an official son 
from some 20 miles away without question. Mary and Martha, they are aware of what Jesus did in John chapter 4. And I, I wonder if they were hoping, hey, Jesus, c- could you do it again? And how many times have you sat by a hospital bed? Have you watched a loved one die and go, hey, Jesus, what you did? Can you do it again? And can you bring healing? Jesus, could you do it again? For we know this, that even disease and sickness must bow to Jesus. Well, on in verse 4, it says this, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. In a sense, what he's saying is things are not going to go the way you want them to. But they'll also not end up the way you think they will either. Trust me, Jesus claims here in verse 4 that not only does disease obey him, but death does too. That Lazarus' sickness will serve to glorify God. Hey, you know one of the prayers of every believer in this room ought to be? God, whether it be in my life or in my death, may it all bring glory to you. May it all bring glory to Jesus. Church, God is after his glory. Not your glory. God is after his glory. For it is in glorifying God that we find our greatest joy, that we realize our greater purpose, and we enjoy the greatness of who he is through Jesus. When we make much of Jesus, when we live for Jesus, when we obey Jesus, we glorify God. God is after his glory, so we must get after it. Glorifying God in life, and in death. Now, verse 5 and 6, we have an issue here. Now, watch what happens here. Now, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, A, rushed to Bethany to heal Lazarus. B, healed Lazarus from afar. <laughs> I didn't say a fire. Afar, like long distance. Did he send his disciples to heal Lazarus or D? Did he stay where he was for two days? Hey, by the way, all of us asked him to do the top three. But listen to what scripture says. Now Jesus loved him. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. Hey, the question has to be asked, doesn't it? He loved them enough not to show up when he could have not to intervene, not to do anything. And yet, just as we begin to think that Jesus isn't going to show up, we realize this about him. He is always up to something. For God's glory, Romans 8, for our good. Jesus is after God's glory, and we know this, and we can trust him. After Lazarus is good. Verse 7 through 15, the disciples caution Jesus. When it's time, he says, you know what? Let's go on back to see Lazarus. There are people in Jerusalem ready to stone him, to kill him. This is unsafe. But Jesus convinces them by the will of God that he must go. And so we find this in verse 11. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. 
And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. He'll get better. But then Jesus kind of convinces us, I'm not talking what you're talking. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Remember, the entire theme of the Gospel of John is that you may believe in Jesus. And what Jesus is doing here in this chapter, so that you may believe. And Jesus says, but let us go to him. I'm going to tell you something. This is going to take me a couple weeks to preach this story. But I want to tell you three things it accomplishes. Number one, what's waking up Lazarus going to do? Well, number one, it's going to show the power and the glory of Jesus. Number two, it's going to strengthen the faith of the disciples. And number three, it's going to set in motion the events leading directly, leading straight to the cross. Here in verse 14, Jesus is on his way. First, don't miss that Jesus already knew that Lazarus had died. This wasn't news to Jesus. The text gives us no indication of a a follow-up letter or messenger sent by Mary and Martha. Jesus knew when Lazarus died because Jesus is, as Acts chapter 3 verse 15 calls him, he is the author of our life. He is the author of your life and mine. But what happens when we get this bad news? When you and I get the phone call that our Lazarus has died, that our loved one has died. And here's the first thing we do. You ready? We weep with the God who weeps. We weep with the God who weeps. Hey, by the way, church, it is no lack of faith to weep. It's okay at times in life to hurt, to ask questions of God. It's okay at times to be mad. Let me tell you something I've come to know of God. He can handle our broken emotions. He knows us. I'm reminded of this in the Psalm, Psalm 116. Uh, the Bible says this, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants, or in some of your translations, his saints. I love that word precious here. It's important because it carries this idea of, of high worth, of value, or costly. I'm reminded it doesn't necessarily mean that our dying brings a smile to God's face, but that he doesn't take our deaths lightly. That when a, a believer dies, it means something to our creator. It doesn't go unnoticed by him. That our lives are of high worth and high value, so much so that it cost his son his life to save. Remember this. Death is the damage done by our rebellion. In the beginning, God did not create us to die, but to live. Death is a curse, a curse that the cross of Christ has crushed and by God's grace and through his son Jesus that he has made precious Lazarus' death. Your death, my death, is no small thing to God. How do I know this? Look at Lazarus' great side service at the God who weeps. Verse 20 says this, and it sets the stage. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
Can you sense the desperation? My guess is her voice is a little bit desperate and maybe even angry. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever he asks. I love the faith in her response there. Hey, have you ever prayed that? You ever cried that or yelled that at God? God, you could have healed them. Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you heal them? Why did they have to die? Well, later in the text, Jesus sends for Mary. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said the very same, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And I look at all the suffering, the grief, the hurt, the questions, the anger even, And yet both sisters run to Jesus. And we look and we see the hope that Jesus interjects into there. He injects it into their grief. Hey, can I remind you a hope that belongs not just to Lazarus, but the very hope that you and I have today. It's our hope. So back to verse 23 in Jesus' conversation with, with Martha. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. In verse 24, Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last days. Now now listen to me, the resurrection of the body was taught in Old Testament books. We find it in Job 19, Psalm 16, again in Daniel chapter 12. Martha even knew the teachings of Jesus that spoke of this future resurrection in John chapter 5 and John chapter 6. And it's kind of funny to me here, Now, when it comes to Martha, she is convinced that Jesus can raise her brother in the distant future, but doesn't seem capable of understanding that Jesus can raise her brother. He's capable of it right now. Hey, can I remind you something about our grief? It leaves us confused. Grief on all of us is disorienting. And it's hard to make sense of anything, And I think they were there. And so Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And there it is. Our fifth I am statement of Jesus. And perhaps the most powerful one. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. We see Mary at the feet of Jesus as he begins to comfort her. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews that had come alongside of her also weeping. Listen to what the Bible says. He was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where, where is it? Where'd you lay him? Where's his body, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in all the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. We weep with the God who weeps. Isn't it amazing that Jesus meets their tragedy with his tears? Notice, Not once did Jesus say, hey, girls, stop your crying. Enough with your questions. 
Stop with the anger. Suck it up. No, he said none of those things. He never does. He knows you better than you. We weep with the God who weeps and we're reminded that we don't have to hide our feelings, our emotions from Jesus. But really what we do is we trust him to sort through them and trust that he will see us through him. But the question comes, why was Jesus moved in spirit? Why was he troubled? Why was he weeping? You ready? Because it wasn't supposed to be this way. Was it supposed to be this way? The death, the dying, the hurting. He created us for life eternal with Him. Not death. And so He wept, knowing He was going to call Lazarus out of that grave. He wept with us, and He wept for us. C.S. Lewis put it this way. We follow one who stood and wept at the grave of Lazarus. Not surely because he was grieved that Mary and Martha wept and sorrowed for their lack of faith as some see it. But because death, the punishment of sin, is even more horrible in his eyes than it is ours. And so we weep with the God who weeps. Growing up, um, I, I was kind of a latecomer to the faith in my, in my teenage years, but man, one of my favorite artists in the world was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Anybody ever love a Stephen Curtis Chapman song in the house? Man, just incredible. I loved his songs. I loved his stories. Well, we, we find out that Stephen would go on and adopt three beautiful girls from China. And man, listen, bring them into their home, and they were a family. But on May 21st, 2008, his son Will was pulling into their gravel driveway in Nashville. All the kids were out playing in the yard. And this teenager, 17 years old, driving this SUV, never saw his five-year-old little sister Maria run in front of their SUV. This precious little girl. He ran over her. And though she would be airlifted to Vanderbilt Hospital, a little girl died of her injuries. Maria is dead. I'm going to tell you something, church. Five-year-old girls shouldn't die. He and his family were absolutely crushed. He talked about it in an interview, and he said this, that I was alone with my five-year-old daughter in the hospital room after she died. And he said, I I lashed out at God. I yelled at God. I screamed at Him and demanded Him with the power that rose Jesus out of the grave to raise my daughter back to life. And God didn't. And so he had to cope Jesus is enough. And he had to find himself trusting in Jesus. Not too long later, he wrote a song about his daughter. And listen to this chorus, Dancing with Cinderella. 
Chapman would later say this I believe God weeps over for death Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus in the Bible and Jesus weeps at death so we weep with the God who weeps in church we worship at the feet of Jesus who is our resurrection and life you say well how do we how do we worship in the weeping, but by falling at his feet as Martha does. And, and even though we don't know all the answers, trusting Jesus like, like Mary does. Remember this, that things in this life may not always go the way you want them to, but we must know this, they don't always end the way we think they are going to end. Why? Because Jesus is our resurrection and life. Remember what he said, for the one who believes in Jesus, man, they will live even though you may die. And whoever lives by believing in Jesus will never die. Remember this in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. Remember this, your sickness, your tragedy will not end in death as we see death. Why? Because Jesus is alive. No sickness, no tragedy will ever end in death for the believer. Sure, this body might die and pass away, but we will live forever. You see, all of us will stand at a graveside service one day, and one day, barring Jesus coming again, we'll have a graveside service. Where does our hope lie? I was in my neighbor's house this past week and had a gospel conversation with him. He's just weeks away from dying at that. And I sat there with him and he's super weak. We laughed together, we cried a little bit together. He asked me to do, in a sense, his graveside service and I said, buddy, I would be, I would be honored to do that. And then we began to talk about Lazarus the great hope we have in Jesus. You know what I shared with him? I said, buddy, listen, every person in this room is going to die, barring Jesus coming back. Every one of us in this room, listen, we are going to die unless Jesus comes again. 
and all that matters at your graveside service and mine and what I shared with him this past week sitting there in his living room all that matters at this graveside service is Jesus and what you've done with it. It's all that matter for Lazarus. All that would matter for Mary and Martha is Jesus and what you've done with it. I looked at him and said, because you know what? Jesus is your only resurrection. He is your only life. And we talked about what it is to follow Jesus, even in in the last days of our life. You see, Zach and I have the opportunity. Golly, I, I think we've been doing this in ministry for maybe 20 years now, since we were teenagers. And in that time, Zach and I have stood at too many graveside services to count. And before we close in the sermon today, I asked him to come and to sing a song. As we stand shoulder to shoulder together underneath a tent that bears the name of a funeral home with precious family sitting before us, a casket just in front of us. I will close the service out with the 23rd Psalm and surely we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then Zach will stand to the mic and sing this beautiful song. No, no mic. Anything else? This beautiful song that sings about our hope. There's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow No drawing near when this darkness breaks to light and the shadows disappear and my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow No more pain I will
is our resurrection and our life. So church, when you stand graveside at the service of the one you love, you weep with the God who weeps and you worship at the feet of Jesus who is your resurrection life. But here's my question. Zach and I, we stand graveside at your funeral. I read the 23rd Psalm and he sings this song is that really your testimony? If your great size service was today, would that be the very song that fills the hope of those who love you? That you are in Christ today. You don't know how to answer that. Let Jesus answer that for you. Let's, let's pray together, can we? And as we pray, I want to extend an opportunity to every person in this room. If the graveside service is something you fear, if that graveside service is something you don't feel prepared for, you're not certain you're in Christ, you don't have the hope that comes with Jesus being your resurrection in life, why not right now in the service, right where you're standing, give your heart and your life to Jesus. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. 
Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.